Welcome to the Fantasy Football Hangover. This week we are joined by Chris Stark, live and direct from his Volvo. We're chatting all things Watford, his drunken fantasy football transfers, and of course, working with Prince William and Peter Crouch. Let's go! Our guest this week is currently languishing at the tap end of our All-Star League. He's got fingers in pies all over the place. TV, radio, podcast, cookery books, even Clive Tilsley's commentary charts. But he's probably best known for being a co-host with Scott Mills on Radio 1 and 5 Live and with Peter Crouch and Tom Fordyce on That Peter Crouch Podcast. But today he's flying solo to join us on the Fantasy Football Hangover and he's joining us from his car. It gives us great pleasure to welcome Chris Stark to the show. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Yes, lads. Yes, yes, lads. Thanks for having me on. I mean, I, firstly, I should apologise because I was meant to be home by now and I was meant to be enjoying a beer with you boys. I've been looking forward to it all day. And uh, the traffic outside of the BBC and then trying to get home has been horrendous. So uh, you very kindly have let me do this as part of my commute. I am fully committed, though. It's just quite nice because instead of listening to your podcast in the car, I can be on it. So it's quite interactive for me and I, I, I'm excited. Perfect. Paint, paint the scene for the listeners. Where, what, what, what are you driving? A, a Lamborghini or a, what are you in? I'm in, um, I'm in a Volvo. It's, uh, and I won't have a word said against it, to be honest. It's the XC60. Uh, it's my first proper car that I've bought that hasn't been my mum's or a boy racer car. And I think it's because I've got a family now. They sold this to me as the safest car out there. And um, and that's me all over, really. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, not that, I'm not that bothered about cars. It would be interesting to see if there was a correlation between people's car choice and how they are at fantasy football. <laughs> I do like to think I played quite a safe game. Uh, it's not effective by any means, but it's very Volvo. <laughs> it's very, it's very, very, <laughs> very Volvo is, is just about right, I'd say. So your season, uh, how's it going so far, would you say? Well, you can see how it's going, can't you? It's, uh, <laughs> it's atrocious. And do you know what the most embarrassing thing about this, boys, is that I actually try. I, it's all I think about, fantasy football. The problem that... I think the problem I've had is because I haven't done fantasy football for the last few years. So I'm a bit out of kind of practice with it all. Season started, there wasn't a lot going on. So I thought, right, I'm going to get into it. Really last minute, decided I'm going to commit to it. Loads of people kept inviting me to leagues. And I thought, no, I don't want to get into all that. And then suddenly out of nowhere, I was like, no, we're going to do it. So I, I, I created a team, which I thought was great. And it didn't do that that well. Um, opening couple of weeks, I played my wild card. I think week two or week three, and then off the back of that wild card performance, which wasn't great, I got drunk on one Sunday. It was when it was the Liverpool Villa game. Got got drunk and made I think about six or seven. <laughs> it cost me a lot of points. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we've, we've all been there. What I will say is I think I've got the team now. And the last couple of weeks, I've, I've kind of clocked in decent score. Last game weekend, I can't remember which number game weekend that is off the top of my head. Um, I actually did all right. So I think we're in the right direction. I, I've suffered, a, last week I suffered from a bit of an injury crisis at the, at the back, which meant I only had three defenders available. Should have all started, but then we had all this drama with Sace. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I think the team is there or thereabouts, boys. And, and so what I'd like to say is, yes, I, on paper, on the league, it doesn't look that great. But I'm not just saying it. I really have put a lot of effort in and I'm fairly convinced I'm on the rise. I love it. I love it. I mean, you've just summed up, I think, my entire relationship with fantasy football. Um, <laughs> getting drunk and making stupid changes um, <laughs> is something I, I do regularly. I'm, I'm quite a hit machine. Uh, yeah. I take a lot of quick you, hits. Do you find with the... Um, like What I find is you get to the end of the weekend, right? And, and or Monday night and then you really want to make changes already and the sensible thing to do is to then you know wait up until four o'clock on Friday five o'clock on Friday you know wait and see who's injured wait and see if you know what what the manager's typically sometimes the manager might announce who's starting but I feel the need to have to make these changes on a Monday or a Tuesday yeah and I've often yeah. thought that just because of price you know their price going up but then someone told me the other day that they only go up by 0.1 a week. Yeah, that I, I I make those sorts of changes all the time. I make, I in fact I did that last week. Of I made a change on the Monday, I think, uh, and it was I took four point hits, bringing Castagna, and then on the Thursday he was injured, and so yeah, so, I, so I so I played my wild card just to make up for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so you've it, done your wild card. Yeah, yeah, I, I I did my wild cards. And I got 75 points from it. So it, it worked quite well. I was pretty pleased with it. Yeah, that worked a dream for you, Will, actually. In fact, weren't you top top scorer in the All-Star League this this week? Yeah, yeah, I did well. Um, points. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied by it. Uh, although I did, Son as captain kind of let me down, which was slightly upsetting. I had the same there, yeah. I had exactly the same. It's let, a big letdown. Have, yeah. have you both got the triple captain left, or, or what's the theory? Because I'm thinking, I'm thinking I'm going to leave it to the last game of the season. Yeah, that's the that's the uh, that's the dream. Rob, our, our, our other host who's not here today, loves saving a chip for the last day of the season. Um, I always use my triple captain at a random point and it never works. I think that the trick that most people suggest for a triple captain is to play it when you've uh, when it's a double game week. So when there's like fixture congestion and there's like, a, you know, a player like Salah is playing twice, but then you run the risk of him not actually playing both games or whatever. So just go with your gut. Just go with have a beer and make a decision after that. Yeah. Yeah. Friday night, 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Roll with dice. <laughs> Um, so we should we should look ahead to the next set of fixtures and do our six tips in 60 seconds. Um, this is going to be tough for Chris because he's not got a timer in front of him. But uh, we're going to kick off with him uh, and his two tips. And he's got 20 seconds. So uh, yeah, this is where we'll test your radio proneness, Chris. Can you just met out 60 seconds, uh, 20 seconds off the bat? Yeah. Yeah. Impressive okay. if you can. I'll um I'll get a timer out for me and Rich to see. So uh, and then we'll 
pick up from there. Okay, cool. All right, Chris, off you go. <laughs> oh, can you hear me? Yeah, got yeah, you. Gotcha. That was not the time for signal problems. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell me when to go and I'll go. Okay, 20 second tips from me, Chris Stark. I would say Kilman, Wolves. Um, I think you need him in the team. He's dead cheap. I think he's hovering around 4.2, 4.3, but he's going to get games. Second choice, Ward Prowse, Southampton. Again, at like 5.3. Get rid of Aubameyang. Um, doesn't score that many the last five games. Had a decent this weekend, but that's about it. Right, Rich, go. Also, Chris. So... Okay, Vladimir Kufel at West Ham, 4.5 million. He's playing, he's uh, played four games, already got two assists, Fulham home next. And then Jamie Vardy, he's back. He's 10 million, but uh, since coming back from injury, got a goal off the bench against Arsenal, scored and two assists at the weekend, so make it so. All right, I've gone Callum Wilson, Rich's favourite. He's been involved in eight of Newcastle's 10 goals this season and decent fixtures coming up. And then Vestergaard against Newcastle, under 5% ownership at the time of recording, 4.6 million, two goals, three clean sheets, very decent at that price. <laughs> well, we went over by 10 seconds over, which is entirely your fault, Chris, but we'll let you off. Yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, your West Ham lad, that is such a good shout, by the way. You found- so I did this, yeah, I did this really nerdy thing of messaging, you know, some of those. Um, fantasy football stat guys that you see floating around the internet social media and that yeah and um yeah. it happened to message a couple of them nearly nearly all of them said him it's oh, um and uh, oh, i'm not saying that that's the endorsement that everyone needs but for some reason that's that seems to be the new kind of the, i reckon that'll be the player that in three four weeks a lot more people will have it's kind of now's the time isn't it yeah he's only four and a half million as well so you kind of yeah, you bank a lot of value on him. And he's playing every week and they're scoring. And and the thing is with that is like my whole experience this season so far in fantasy football has been reactive. So I bring players into the team generally the week after they've, you know, they should have been there. Maybe a couple of weeks after, three weeks after. It's It would be so nice to be ahead. I felt that with Lamptey. When, when I got him in, I felt like that was a good signing, you know. And obviously paid off at the weekend. Um, but yeah, I need a few more like that. Yeah, it's Kufal's one. Yeah, I was I was pretty pleased bringing in uh, Vestergaard at the weekend, uh, yeah. which I felt like was a good time to bring him in. And I think he got me like 12 points or something, something silly. Um, nice. So I, I love being ahead of the curve rather than reactionary, as you said. It's... Um, it's very hard not to bring these players in, though, when they uh, when they score loads of points. But then you know that you've just jinxed them as soon as you do. But, but tell me, do you do I take a Bamiyang out of this team? Because if you look at it right, twelve something like twelve million, eleven point whatever million, off the top of my head, it's a lot of money, right? And the thing is, I've got other decent midfielders on there, but I'm picking him purely because it's a Bamiyang and not 
when you look at the form of other players that could be in that position or players coming up, but it seems like such a big scalp to take a risk with, you know? Yeah, uh, that is that is a tough one. He did get he did get that penalty, but that's his first game, you know, first goal in a little while. And he Arsenal are playing all right, but don't look like they're ever gonna really put three or four past anyone at the moment. Chance creation's been difficult. And he I mean Arteta's not gonna play him through the middle anytime soon, I don't think. So yeah, he's just so expensive to have not returning. Like Salah's the same price, isn't he? And even when they're being beat, he's scoring goals. That's what I mean. Like Salah, I, I don't think it's worth mucking around with. But yeah. you look at Aubameyang and go, okay, well, with that money, I can get in, you know, a midfielder for six or seven million quid, sort out the third place on my bench, which is kind of redundant. I've got Douglas at Leeds, who's currently, I think, at Blackpool or somewhere, <laughs> like somewhere Tony. He's, he's somewhere else, though. Um, and um, I think it would just be... Like the idea of having that much money for them week on week, rather than having to make two substitutes to bring in a player that you want because of the, um, you know, because of the points it will cost you. It just feels so much better to have a bit more money in the banks so that you can just do swaps, you know, for one one person. Yeah, I mean, I, I got rid of Aubameyang uh, a few weeks ago. Um, I had him at the start of the season. He just blanked and let me down. And I think I brought in Rodriguez for him at the time, which at the time was a great move, but obviously he's injured now. Um, but I think, yeah, freeing up that sort of money is is so good. So I would say get rid, but um, he'll probably score loads. Yeah, of- I mean, he will. He'll have he'll obviously have games where he's going to bang in two or maybe three, but I don't think there'll be as many as last season. I had the same dilemma with Trent Alexander-Arnold. I sort of persevered with him until, was it last weekend? Yeah, last weekend and finally cashed cashed in on him and brought in Chilwell and I feel like I probably waited too long on that yeah, yeah. Well, Chilwell, you have to say Chilwell's a better shout there though wouldn't you or do, do you not think or like I know it's hard to say but points wise Chilwell is, is right to have in the team surely yeah, yeah. And, Ch- and Chelsea are keeping clean sheets now which is um, bizarre yeah you brought in Zuma didn't you Will that yeah was Zoom, nice Zuma's amazing right there Man, Zuma, love him. He's one though. You know, if if you bring him in this week, Chelsea are conceding two, and he's <laughs> getting booked a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Chris, um, moving on a bit. What Watford? How's the season going for uh, for Watford? Sixth at the moment, is it? Yeah, I think the what uh, the start to the season's been good. Uh, it's a weird mentality that you have as a Watford now because last season you just wanted to win some games and you really celebrated it and now you're in the championship and it, it, it does feel very frustrating when you lose a game and I think it's just trying not to be reactionary with it you know you have a couple of games where performance hasn't been great considering the team that we have and the Watford way is often to get rid of the manager and I just uh, I just like to see us just try and chill and uh, and dominate as well. We've got the talent to be able to do it. I just think, just think, I don't know. I don't know really what I can say because the t- there's nothing wrong with the team. I don't really think there's anything wrong with the manager. I just think we've got to stop going a goal up and thinking that's enough. It's almost like 
you want to see a team like that with the talent he's got just kind of dominate a bit more and you know that relentless pressure that you get from say a Leicester or um you know a Liverpool and I, I know I'm comparing two different things here but I would just like Watford with the team that they've got which is arguably better than you know pretty much every other team in the championship to just show it a bit more but what is that you know is that just players mentality and being in the championship when they feel they should be in the Premier League I, I don't know it's yeah. just not yeah. quite clicking into gear yet maybe a bit of damage the end of last season uh the, you know the relegation maybe it's sort of um, a mentality thing we've I'm a Forest fan and we're massively suffering at the moment from the the end of last season which was a disaster for us we capitulated and and this season we've just started terribly uh changed managers now got Chris Hewton and it's it's much of the same he kind of started okay and now we but we can't score goals and we're just pretty pretty terrible and we're down in the relegation battle now and it's just disgusting yeah it's so hard when you can't score goals but you feel you feel you've got goals in the team like it, at least actually to be fair it's a better position I feel in being a Watford fan knowing we've got these great strikers you know it, it's just something's not quite clicking right at the moment yeah I guess it's harder when you don't feel you've even got that kind of talent um, that should be doing better Hi, I'm Graham Potter and I manage Brighton and Hove Albion. As a busy Premier League manager, I have very little spare time and can often feel stressed and anxious. That was until I discovered Woodwork. Woodwork, it's more than just a pastime, it's a lifeline. With Graham Potter's Woodwork Experience magazine, you can learn all about woodwork with me, Graham Potter. Over the course of 72 issues, you'll learn how to whittle, whittle, how to lathe like a pro, lathe like a pro, and how to become a master sander, sand. Do you know your wood joint from your drug joint? Well, soon you will, with Graham Potter's Woodwork Experience magazine. Each issue comes with a tool and a plank of wood, all types of wood too, beech, oak, mahogany, Silver birch, balsa, it's ever so flimsy. Willow, MDF, yeah, I know. Pine, ash, cedar, fir, I could go on. You'll also get a free VHS video cassette where I, Graham Potter, will teach you all about tool safety. Issue one comes with goggles. Goggles. And I'll be showing you the correct way to wear the goggles and how to clean them once they get all covered in sawdust messy so what are you waiting for pick up graham potter's woodwork experience today at Woolworths, texas and focus do it all or by going to http colon forward slash forward slash www.grahampotterswoodworkexperiencemagazine.net forward slash woodwork magazine subscription Issue one is just one ninety nine. Further issues twenty five ninety seven each. You'd be potty to miss out on Graham Potter's woodwork experience. Graham Potter, Graham Potter, Graham Potter's woodwork experience. So, uh, so we should talk about your your student cookery book. Uh, the oh yes, br- brilliantly titled "Eat, Sleep, Zoom, Reheat." So. Um, 
How did that come about? Well, yeah, I mean, we, we can talk about it if you want. I'm just here for the fantasy football. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I feel I should explain it because it is a bit of a weird one. So I went to uni and I always remember my gran giving me this student cookbook. And it's just always something that stuck with me is kind of like a funny gift to give someone when they go to uni. And I couldn't cook at all. Like, and you're in this strange situation where you're turning up and there's a kitchen and I had no interest in cooking. Now I love it. It's kind of, I don't know, you know how you get into certain things as you get maybe a tiny bit older as well. And cooking was one of those things. And now I've got a real passion for it. I'm by no means a chef, but I just wanted to make this student cookbook. And I always remember getting it as a gift and I had this idea for it. Then had a look at some other student cookbooks and just found that they were incredibly patronizing or not written by students and, or anyone that's been in a university for the last five years so yeah I just thought why not I've got to a place in my life at the moment lads where more and more I've just started thinking just do whatever you want to do like I have all these ideas in the notes section of my phone and you sort of tell yourself that you've just got to stick in the same lane um and actually, I just felt like going and doing this thing and making it. So I teamed up with a chef and convinced the publishers to actually publish it. And it's been really, I'm just really happy with it all. I'm amazed that we've sold as many as we have. And I'm just really pleased to see people enjoying it. Yeah, that's good. That's brilliant. I remember um, being sent off. My mum sent me off to you, but I was the same as you, Chris. Didn't really... I hadn't cooked a thing. I'd just basically taken my mother for granted for, you know, the best part of two decades and then went off with no skills. And she gave me this cookbook called Cooking for Blokes that um, was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was sort of, it was okay. I mean, it was spag bowls and what have you, but it did have, it was probably a bit like yours in the sense it wasn't that patronising, but it sort of said if you're going to get some, like the basic spices you should get and, you know, sort of how to chop an onion in, you know, not a chef style and, and those kinds of things. But it, I think it's a really great idea. I don't, I, yeah, there isn't stuff like that. And it does set you on a journey because it's so easy just to, I don't know, be eating economy bread with peanut butter on for dinner every night for, and, for a and student. That's all good. And that's the thing, like, I never wanted it to be preachy. Like, I did this interview with someone, they were saying, so do you feel that the that students aren't eating healthy enough and this is your... And it's like, no, it's not that at all. What, what this is, is like basically saying, if you can't cook at all, you know, hopefully this can teach you a couple of basic things and, and slightly more elaborate things if you want, but uni is a good time to ex kind of experiment for want of a better word but like <laughs> maybe give it give it a bit more and actually one of my regrets is that I didn't kind of cook a bit more at uni and and know you know I started DJing quite a lot of uni and it was late nights so I wasn't eating very healthily and stuff and and I've tried to make this book kind of around student life so whether it's obviously getting over a hangover or getting ready for an all-nighter like food that can kind of keep you going and that is it was really fun to do but also part of it was just I, I really wanted to talk a load of stories about you know being at uni and my time at uni and funny stuff that happened and I'm not famous enough to have an autobiography and I think a lot of them are shit anyway <laughs> so yeah. I just thought why not get a load of stories down but make it a bit useful as well you know, like on American Pie, where they pass down that Bible of kind of... Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
I, I sort of that was more <laughs> what I had in mind with it. I just wanted it to be something that if you're a student going to uni, especially right now, um, it's something at least new and something that you can kind of do and get involved with whilst being at uni uh, in what are very limited circumstances. Yeah. And they kind of wanted me to put the book back, but I, like, I don't know if either of you boys have written a book. You don't really earn all that much money from it. It's kind of like I did it because it was an idea that I really wanted to do. And, and you know, it was fun to make. But I think unless you're JK Rowling, you're not, you're not earning big money from books. And, um, and so I kind of I wanted to price it at a point where students could actually get hold of it. And it could be a gift. And, yeah, it's been I've just really enjoyed the whole process of it all. It's fun. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that sounds, it does sound good. My, my absolute go-to at uni was um, there was a shop down the road that did two chicken Kievs for a pound, and I used to do a chicken, a chicken Kiev, a chicken Kiev and rice, which has got to be the most dry. I can't really believe that I used to eat that. It's like a dry bit of beige, but um, it was so cheap. It was fantastic. I mean, you're not not a million miles away from the classic sports person's diet there of a uh, you know lightly grilled chicken breast, brown rice, and a bit of broccoli. True. Oh, yeah, maybe it's pioneer will is the inner athlete in me yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I really appreciate you talking about the book because um uh it's like it's one of those funny things where everything else i do it's kind of what i do and i love doing the radio i love doing you know the podcast is a, is a great laugh to do and this was just something a bit different and part of me was a bit like should you really be releasing a a cookbook essentially but everyone's seen it for what it is and, and kind of embraced it exactly how i set out to do it so i'm kind of buzzing about that so i'm thinking what else i want to do next yeah you know? and I, I sort of encourage anyone to think the same it's it, ironically uni would have been a great place for this because you're surrounded by so many talented people and so many people who are just good in different areas actually the only without going too deep i do find we all generally speaking limit ourselves to just whatever it is our job is or you know what we need to be seen to be doing whereas that you know there's no one really stopping anyone admittedly like obviously it was a bit easier for me because I guess I could get a publisher a bit easier but there's nothing stopping anyone anyone who say had a good idea and then got in touch with me on dms and said look I've got this idea well I, I'm, I can't lie to you boys if someone had a really good idea I'd want to be working with them you know and I'm sure lots of other people feel the same. It's just sometimes it's just about being in that headspace where you you go and go and do something for you, you know, and go and do something you want to do. I appreciate yeah. it's quite deep. <laughs> no, I think, I, no, I think that's great. That's brilliant. It's just about taking that leap of faith, which is the hardest that hardest little jump, isn't it? But it's but seeing stuff like this that you've done you know because you wanted to you know it's obviously not a commercial project something you were passionate about wanted to do and it's connected and you know provided a creative outlet for you that's great for people to hear isn't it to do the same yeah, yeah. rich is that your guinea pig in the background making <laughs> yeah, that noise? yeah i'm sorry man they're, they're, <laughs> they're running riot around the bottom uh so for, for the listeners who weren't weren't tuned in before chris came on i am um, yeah i have hidden myself away in my eldest son's room but he recently had his 11th birthday. We bought him guinea pigs. There's a big mandate on me to build a shed in the garden, which I haven't done, largely due to the inclement weather. So they've been in there for a week and they are just running riots around the bottom hutch. Why have you got guinea pigs? What, what's, what's going on? 
Well, the, there's a backstory. I'll give you the abridged version. My wife uh, comes from a family that were guinea pig obsessed. I think they had up to 14 at one point. And she sort what? of tried... Yeah, they, she sort of tried to impart it on my our children, my children, our children. Um, and I sort of resisted on and off. But then this kind of going into lockdown, it was Henry's birthday uh, week before last. And it, it's a sort of tough one because you can't really do a party. You can't get the friends around. You can't really celebrate in the way you want. And... It's a hard. It's been a hard mental time for kids. And like, oh, maybe now is the time for a pet. And you know, I was sort. Of, we've got cats, but they're just terrible pets because they don't care at all about anything. Um, so we said, let's get the let's get the guinea pigs. But this this guinea pig thing is just. It went from what I saw as two basically five pound relations of vermin that you can just chew in, to then buying like double hutches, uh, fox proof outside runs, and then. But we can't keep them inside. We need to buy a shed to put them in. So then need to get a load of paving slabs and level the ground. It's it's without doubt the most expensive gift I've ever purchased for anyone. Yeah, and they yeah, only I live till six at the best. I, I exactly. know. The return is not enough on them. You know, you're you're talking koi cart money here, mate. And you've <laughs> gone for guinea pigs and they're shitting everywhere. They, you know, it's like I, I've always been baffled by the the kind of the love of guinea pigs from human like I, I don't get it i actually don't get it i've never i've never fully i've never had a guinea pig i've never really known anyone that has one but it just sounds like you're causing yourself a load of grief there you're, yeah. you're going to be concentrating on your fantasy football you're mucking around with guinea pigs this is why i'm probably in mid-table mediocrity and we've got a cat that now lives outside the bedroom door pretty much from the moment she wakes to the moment she goes to sleep and uh, we had a, uh, a vet friend come round on Friday. He's a friend anyway, but he asked us if he'd like us to sex the guinea, if he'd like us for him to sex the guinea pigs. What, what does that mean? Well, it means identify the gender. So they were sold to us as males, but there's no real on display anatomy of guinea pigs. So, so uh, well, he, he, they, he revealed them as males. So they popped out he pops out their penises, which were disproportionately long and thin. It was something I can never unsee. So get uh, guinea pigs, Chris. Uh, you know, I know you've got a little one now. Good, good companion. Yeah, well, it's mad when you, um, when you see animals in a new light, don't you? So you, the way you've seen guinea pigs there has changed you. I, yes. I'll urge you to Google owl's, owl's legs, right? Now, this is a bit of a, a niche Google. Okay. It's like, it's not a sexual thing. It's just, but look at the legs. And they are beautiful legs on owls, right? If, but if you Google search it, most people never realise that owls have legs. Oh, really? They've got these sort of quite long, sexy legs. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's weird, I know. But Google it. It will hopefully make your day. That's brilliant. Oh, guys. And if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, and I expect at least one tweet from someone with a picture of uh, owl with its legs out, and that will that will make me happy. hundred percent. We have that has to happen. It will. It, it reminds me. My brother sent me a clip from Instagram that was Jimmy of Jamie Oliver's mate Jimmy Jimmy's Farms went round to um, oh collect semen from a turkey. Yeah, I saw so, that episode. It was and that, that is something that will live with me forever. It's yeah. Like, I, that, I mean, if you haven't seen it, Chris, really don't 
Um, it's but... really easy to arouse a turkey and to bring to to make them climax. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out Jimmy can just do it with a quick touch. Maybe he's got the special touch. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's it's quite something. We've we've been watching that Jimmy's Farm program, and it is it's harrowing stuff. Animals just die constantly. It's like animals are farthing wood. Honestly, it's literally yeah. like every episode. There's you know, pig has a heart attack. They cart it off in a tractor. An alpaca dies. I mean, honestly, it's so depressing. You know, talking of turkeys, there's there's um there's a turkey farm right, which I've seen some pictures of. So it's all coming up to Christmas. They're getting the turkeys ready, and um, the turkeys right are all out in the fields, kind of. They're all having a good time. You know, they're they're gonna they're obviously gonna be eaten eventually, but they're living a good life up to them because people are investing like 80, 90 quid a turkey. You know, they're pro- proper turkeys, right? So they get fed well and they get the roam and, you know, they're a decent bit of land and everything like that. Now, to guard the turkeys, because these are expensive turkeys, they use alpacas to guard. To, I, 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 and I don't quite understand what they're doing to guard. I can only assume that they're using alpacas to guard the turkeys to kind of scare off the foxes. Because if the foxes see the alpacas, they're getting freaked out a little bit. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know that for a fact. Their long necks allow them to be a good lookout, I guess. They can kind of peek over tall hedges and stuff to see any uh, any incoming opposition. When you were talking about your your notes section of your phone earlier, it's funny. I've got um I, I've got a note section on my phone called Chris Stark, which I I I kept when uh, uh, I think I started when um, we sort of first got in touch about you coming on the show a while back. And one uh, one of the things yeah. I wrote down on it, and then I never actually put any reference to it, is Woolly Mammoth, and I don't know why. Do you know why? <laughs> How do you know about that? You see, this is what worries me sometimes, right? Like you do a TV show or you do a radio show or something like that or like a podcast and you say something. Like, so I can tell you what this is about, but I can't remember in which context I would have said it. And this it must have been like being on Celeb Juice or something. Like it, it's, it can't be... Like I wouldn't have been able to say this on Radio One, but and then I'm concerned about how you know about it because it's like it's a mad one this. But yeah, Woolly Mammoth was um a nickname someone gave me once because I was pretty bad at keeping my um pubic area in a kind of um styled manner. So I, I was very low maintenance on that front and um, someone decided to, we, we were on a bar social I think it was and I decided to uh, like for one reason or another a game escalated and I ended up getting naked and then someone described me as a woolly mammoth and then that really stuck for quite a period of time 
but absolutely incredible that that's what you've um yeah that's, that's, i went back and, I, and I didn't know what it <laughs> i didn't know where it came from I, I do wonder if it's from our mutual friend ben Lowe. would ben have told me that Ah, uh, yeah, that might have been it. Yeah, in yeah. which case, this hasn't been on radio or TV. It's now a huge problem. <laughs> a huge, a huge exclusive. Uh. It's not. Really, it's not really an exclusive, is it? It's Chris Stark didn't shave his pubes for a long time. It's like it's it's reaching, isn't it, for an exclusive? However, it's a story that. Um, I don't know if anyone can relate to or anything, but yeah, there it is. Yeah, Holy I, I was, I was described. I was explaining. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, do I want to tell this? Yeah, fine. Um, when I was at uni, um, a group of us uh, did a, a charity backsack and crack wax for charity. Yeah. Obviously, hence my charity, uh, and we all sort of piled into a beauticians and all got everything waxed, which was awful and horribly painful and they they actually did me a, a vajazzle or a pajazzle as we called it so I had some like jewels where where oh, my nice. pubes once were um and uh th this was like the last day of term I think and then obviously I had the summer holiday and I remember over the summer holiday just being like man it's not growing back it like was still really short and I was just like man am I am I not going to get pubes again? Am I going to look like a 12-year-old boy for the rest of my life? <laughs> and I remember my dad driving me back up to, to Sheffield um, at the end of the summer, and he, he, in all seriousness, turned to me and said, well, have your, have your pubes grown back yet? And I was like, no, no, no dad, they haven't. I, I'm really worried. And he was like, that's an inordinate amount of time for them not to grow back. And it had been like three months, and they were just like, still really really stubbly um but thankfully i can now report that they they, they exist and it's fine oh, oh, it was a scary we'll moment we'll all sleep easy tonight knowing that our fantasy football is sorted and will's got pubes <laughs> <laughs> going back to ben low um he he came on the show uh was it last season yeah i think it was last season rich um and it it was uh yeah, he it he, was, yeah. he he's he only played football uh, fancy football for one season and did absolutely terribly but um he uh <laughs> of course you two you two have worked together a fair amount but of course the 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 sticker collection film that you guys did together on iplayer was um must have been a real personal triumph for you that yeah ben Lowe is one of if not my favorite people to to work with he's the best so I, I've always felt like we, we worked on something together and then we just had this really special bond. And I always hear about people saying this kind of thing and think it sounds actually quite um, indulgent. I often think people are kind of um, like, say, when they work with someone, it's like, oh, I can only work with this guy. And it's, it's like, well, that's convenient. That's the only person that you've worked with. It, but with Ben... I really do feel like he's one of my best mates and he's so talented and he's a brilliant filmmaker, director. He's like a one-stop shop. So we did a show where we went to the world's most extreme festivals. We traveled the world. It, it was so fun, like ludicrous situations that I was in, but Ben would get involved. And that's what me and Ben have always done well is he'd be holding the camera, but we'd both go and take part in these things and we'd both go all in and we'd both go get drunk. And it wasn't particularly professional, 
Um, and I don't think Ben will mind me saying at one point we went to Lithuania to film at this death metal festival. It was like real weird shit going on there. Like, say, what, what's it like satanic sort of, oh my God, it was full on. And uh, as part of this, I was, I was putting body armor and, um, and I'd often say to Ben, like, we've got to be a little bit more careful about the, uh, you know, the health and safety on some of this. But Ben was just all about us having a good time and the program was the main thing. And anyway, this guy proper hit me with an axe, like really hit me quite hard around the head with an axe. And our boss <laughs> had to take Ben to one side <laughs> and tell him off all about this. Like, you can't, you can't have Chris like getting attacked <laughs> by an axe. It's just not like you can't do it. But that's what I really liked about Ben. And then, yeah, we had this idea. We were a bit drunk on the, on the plane home from somewhere. And we had this idea about completing a sticker album and going and meeting some footballing legends that we really admire. And it, it turned into one of the best things that I've ever done, which was sort of traveling about. We'd go and spend the day with uh, oh, all sorts. But one of the best was, you know, Parata and... Um, we we had like Alan Shearer drive us to the airport, and we sort of did a little kind of carpool karaoke thing with him. And yeah, we just we just met so many amazing people, and um, it was a really great show. And it was one of those shows that really that they should have they should have done more with it because it was so fun, and it was like it was round about the time of the World Cup. But obviously, everyone's getting swept away with the football by then. But I'd love to watch it again now because it was it was just so fun to do. Yeah, it was a it was a really brilliant show. I love Ben. I've worked with him for years, and um, I was so pleased when he told me he was doing it because I just it's combining you know his love of football and his love of filmmaking. It was just very it was, and 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 Rich and I and the team we love nostalgia as well. So it was just so yeah. nice to kind of revisit all those old stars and 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 I mean you you waiting outside for Zidane and all of that. It was just. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, some some really good. That's moments. exactly it. It's that nostalgia, and I agree. I love that too. And it's always been a kind of the sweet spot for stuff that I enjoy doing. Is kind of the stuff that you and your mates would talk about doing in the pub over a few beers. But the next day, you have to go to college, or you've got to go to work, and life gets in the way. I've always tried to be that person that goes, actually, fuck it, I'll go do it. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah, and totally. that's not to be like um salacious with it or like to be um oh, what's the what's the right phrase for it it's that's not to be like to the point of ridiculousness it's more just kind of like i i've always i, I just like the idea of it being totally relatable to stuff that me and my friends would like and like to do and I think I've just always been that guy that wakes up the next day and instead of just embracing the hangover going, oh, that was a drunken idea. I've always liked to be that person that goes, what can we do to make this happen? You know, and whether that's like a TV show or radio idea or just, you know, a fun night out, something fun that I'm doing with my mates. It's always kind of been that little drive in me. Yeah. Is that how the Crouchy podcast came about, would you say? Or how did that all sort of fall together? I would say that it's what has made a lot of the stuff in the Crouchy Pod, the, the stuff, you know, that we've managed to do and, you know, like Crouch Fest, which was our live show. 
all those moments where you know we had Catherine Jenkins singing the Champions League theme <laughs> they, all of those kind of things are those, those are the ideas that really drive me they're the kind of things where you somehow make them happen um and the Crouchy Pod was was great because there was a lot of sports podcasts that were out at the time and they asked me to come and get involved in it and I said what I would do with it and we went and did a pilot and I was just so pleased that Crouchy was exactly how I imagined and he really thought the same as me and Tom was brilliant at what he does so it all just fitted really nicely and it meant that everything we wanted to do with that podcast we could do to the point where when we were talking about guests and I I said that Prince William would be the ultimate guest so then fast forward and being Kensington Palace having a few beers with him was just like it was so good because it's exactly what we all love doing, talking about football, nostalgia, as you said, um, and it's really real. And I think the podcast means a lot to people because it's it's that. It feels real and it feels like you're, you're involved in a conversation with your mates. And that's what we never have taken for granted. And, yeah, I hope I just hope that all continues if we come back with it. Yeah, there are plans to come back or is, uh, is everyone a bit busy at the moment? Well, we all want to do it. I think it's just a case of um, putting fingers out and actually just getting, <laughs> getting it done now. Yeah, yeah. My, my issue with it is the last episode we did we were with Prince William. And yeah. it's not about the top trumps, but it's kind of like, what, what do we want to do with it now? Like, what do we do next? And we've got some good ideas. And I think as long as we can do that um, and it still be the same you know the same that we've always enjoyed doing it for then then we will do it but I think at the moment everyone's just trying to it's like just have a little break and then I quite like we have these breaks in between series and then we all just suddenly go right we really need to do it now and then it's really exciting and everyone loves doing it and and that's where it all kicks off from again. You're kind of victims of your your own success in a way that Crouchy you know you've, you've let his personality shine and he's you know engaged on such a level that well, he's kind of he's the most human footballer you can imagine in many ways because you can think oh, i could sit around a pub table with crouchy and would be really a lovely experience but of course now he's doing his own shows and loads of punditry and people are kind of tuning into what a what a great broadcaster he is yeah i agree with that i would say that you know crouchy it's, it always comes back to the same thing with him he always keeps saying to me, it's like, the podcast is the one, the podcast is the one. And I think there might have been a bit of time where he'd finished as a footballer or retired as a footballer, sorry, and then and then kind of thought, okay, well, I need to now go into this media world and take on a lot of media stuff. And I, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying it's it's kind of, I think he really knows what he is, what he, he wants to do. And... Um, and that and and what he wants to do moving forward now and he just loves the podcast i know the podcast is his baby really and um and we all love doing it and it's it's a bit more work now because it's it has become popular and we want as many people to feed into it as possible and i think it's just making sure that uh, you know as we always say you come back stronger you know <laughs> and that's not necessarily changing the podcast it's just making sure we're set up enough that and you know people can feel involved in it and we can get stuff for people or people want to be ambassadors that we can get shirts out to them it's all the sort of boring 
stuff around it. But I just think it's making sure we're in the best possible place for this podcast to to shine, you know, and 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 come back. As it, it does come back to the very simple phrase, actually. We just we do want to be back stronger, um, and we will. It's just figuring all that out. Yeah, and hopefully back in person as well. We've um, you know we've been doing this on Zoom for quite a while now, and it's like it's good you can make it work but there's nothing like just sitting down and actually properly having a beer together and yeah i totally agree will that's and that's a large part of where my brain's at but i just wonder if that's always a lame excuse as to why we haven't done it but we did a lockdown sort of zoom podcast and it was fun um but for me i kind of feel we should be back at it when we can get back into a pub that sort of feels like the next the next stage for me and that's kind of what's shaping how I feel about it at the moment. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I think it's uh, and and also as you say, you, you you, it's good to have a bit of a breathing space after the Prince William episode. Do you, re- do you reckon William uh, plays fantasy football? It wouldn't surprise me. He um, he sent me this letter actually when when we'd done the podcast. He sent me this letter, and it was quite funny because he he sort of mentioned about Watford being relegated, you know, and uh, you know that. He hopes I find the championship exciting and all this. And it was this bizarre situation where, you know, with him, I think he does get misunderstood quite a lot. Like he really loves football and he really, you know, it's it really normalises him in my eyes. And some people are cynical about that. But, you know, you'd have to be the world's best actor to be able to sit there, have a few drinks and keep all of that up. And he knows his stuff. He's really into football. He's exactly the same as us in the sense he really just enjoyed sitting down and talking football and um and so I've I kind of I always liked him but I came away from that and I just I really I really 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 liked him. Yeah, he he comes across so well and I, and as you say, just so natural and I I was so impressed with his knowledge and just kind of his passion for it. It was. Um, yeah, really, really good to see and and totally not staged and and just very kind of organic and a fun episode. It's so. funny as well, like when he talks about, you know, he's head of the FA, president of the FA. It's like, and he talks about, you know, Southgate only been a text away. You, you know, <laughs> I, I love all that. And I, I think I, I, yeah, I was, I was so, it was a great day that. And um, it was... It was really good. How he came across in the podcast is exactly how he was. And I think he got, well, the podcast got a great reaction. Um, So I'm really pleased for him. Get in touch on FF Hangover on Twitter. And on Fantasy Football Hangover on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Um, Guys, let me know when I, when you next want me and it's good to speak to you both and thanks so yeah much for really appreciate you coming on chris thank you great nice one lads all right thanks mate in a bit guys join the fantasy football hangover fpl league using the code q4lh9m that's q4lh9m yummy yummy football oh man what a guest thank you chris stark for coming on from his volvo yeah, yeah, he did good. And it's nice to know that he's a, a safe driving man. Now he's got a family to think about. I know, it's a real safe pair of hands of all of them. I'm into it. Maybe that's what I'll have to get. So, um, 
yeah, two Friday night games, Brighton and Burnley and Southampton's uh, Newcastle. The, the Brighton-Burnley game is 5.30, so you need to get your team done by 3.30 oh, whatever oh, it is. It's Sky Box Office again, isn't it? The Swines. Yeah, bastards. Oh, so it'll be like a three o'clock deadline probably or 4.30 at the latest. Uh, From, four four well, I, at the I latest, like, yeah. Yeah, I like your Callum Wilson tip. Obviously, you know, I'm a huge fan of our friend Fixture Proof. I did read that uh, of Newcastle's nine goals this season, he's been involved in eight of them. Six uh, goals, uh, yeah, two assists. Ten, ten goals, uh, yeah, six goals. ten. Yeah. Um, Pretty impressive, though. Yeah, and, uh, really impressive. That's what I said in my 6 and 60, Rich, if you'd have been listening, then you'd know. Yeah, I was sort of faintly tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess against Southampton, though. Southampton, very impressive. Although that is the current conundrum I have is that I have Daniel Ings. We don't know quite how bad his knee injury is. And one move might be a move to fixture proof, but I feel like they'll struggle against Southampton, Newcastle. Yeah, yeah they will. It's just a very good team. It's so hard to call, though. I mean, you wouldn't have necessarily called Newcastle beating Everton, would you? So who knows? No chance. It's really tricky. And then. Leicester Wolves is a big game on Sunday. Man City Liverpool. It's a really big weekend this weekend. Everton, Everton taking on Man U. I'm really looking at Chelsea because I think yeah. they're keeping clean sheets and them against Sheffield United. Sheffield United can't score. They they're conceding lots. Timo Werner's scoring now. Mason Mount oh, no. even getting on the on the score sheet. It's like yeah. And playing well, Mason Mount. Although Timo Werner wasn't supposed to start that game, which I know acutely because I have Christian Pulisic in my team who got injured in the warm-up. And then obviously Werner came in. And Ziyech looks amazing. And now Pulisic is out. It's like, well, where do you go? I kind of yeah. want to stick with Chelsea. And I, I like Havertz, but I'm leaning towards Ziyech at the moment. And I'm actually debating whether to try and do the early transfer because obviously everyone's going to be shipping Pulisic out. So he might drop. Dropping value, yeah. I, I, I um, yeah. it's so hard with Chelsea. I, I kind of feel as with they've always been a bit funny in terms of well, not always, but certainly recently in terms of form and and uh, and reliability on starting starting lineups and stuff like that. I've got to say, West, West Ham look good, yeah. I know, I know they lo- I know they lost at the weekend, but um, they do look good. And they 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 ran that close. I mean, Liverpool really had to work for that victory, didn't they? Yeah. Um, I, I was worried that without Antonio, they'd lose a bit of threat. And Haller, I mean, I saw that game. Haller didn't play well, but they've just, I don't know, they've just got momentum, haven't they? And form is is huge, I think. Yeah, and Fornells is doing well. So I I think against Fulham, that's a good that's a good look there. Uh, yeah, that's definitely. The, that's the Saturday night BT box office bullshit. And if and you're then, saving your if you're saving a treat like your captain, your last game of the weekend is Arsenal versus Aston Villa. So yeah, Grealish all the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Grealish, I I oh, I've I had him last season for the ends and he was amazing for me. And I've been holding off bringing him back in thinking it's going to stutter, it's going to wane, I might move to Barkley, but he just yeah, it's just his levels of performance are just so consistent, aren't they? He's unreal. He's so good. Um, he's having the season of his life. And uh, yeah, I brought him in um, in my wild card. I sort of just went with all the form players, basically. And it's worked. It worked. So I'm happy with that. Although yeah. Yotta, maybe Yotta. 
I've seen a lot of people saying he might come into the starting lineup ahead of Firmino, and he's a midfielder, isn't he? Mm. At six point something, which yeah. is in it, oh, so tempting. I think it's like, I mean, yeah, he, away at City is probably not you can afford to, you know, not rush into that transfer because if he plays, he may not return. Mm. Um, and then me- meaningless for you, of course, as you will never pick a Spurs player, but they are away against West Brom. So you've got to expect some goals there for Son and Kane. It's just like killing me softly week after week, every week. And every single person has both of them. And it's just whether they captain the right one or the wrong one each week. It's yeah. so annoying. And then like but this weekend, it was sort of, it was one of the last games, wasn't it? So you're yeah. kind of looking at how your your rivals in mini leagues are doing. You're going, oh well, you know, I've had a few pretty mediocre game weeks. This one slightly better, but every single person I know has Kane and Son still to come, and I'm done for players. So annoying. Okay, that's that's the hill I chose to die on. So I just yeah, well, to curl up and let it happen. Chris, Chris Stark, and I both picked Son as captain. He got four points. So it. This, this this sort of thing happens, but um, I mean, Chris is as I said, languishing down um, near the bottom of our All Star League, just above Dan from Yumi at six and Ashley from Raksu. We'll just briefly touch on those leagues because Magnus Carlson is still top of the All Star League, um, the yeah, the chess grandmaster. He scored sixty three points with Son as captain as well. So um, yeah. That's how that league's looking. And then in the uh, punter, the regular league for listeners, um, Tuhid Rahman is back on top. And he is 1,600th in the world on 509 points. He hasn't used any any of his chips yet either. Um, And only has... Uh, taken eight points worth of hits so far. So, I mean, really impressive. Uh, 89 points. Salah as captain. Um, he's actually got the same midfield as me. Grealish, Zahar, Salah, Son. He also has Zuma and Kilman. I mean, basically, he's got my team. Um, yeah, pretty much. He's got Mitrovic as well, hasn't he? Yeah, stuck with Mitro. Stuck with Mitro. Got Vardy. Yeah, sometimes be a bit bold. Does pay mm. off, doesn't it? Yeah. 1.6. So, that's impressive. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think good luck for the weekend. Um, as I said, an early, early um, deadline on Friday afternoon. So get those teams in. Uh, and, and this is um, the first game week without a Monday game, isn't it, for a while? Yeah, probably. Yeah, it wraps up by the end of Sunday, which is quite nice. Yeah, it's nice not having a Monday game, especially. Yeah, I quite like it all being clean by by Sunday. Same, you can just start the next week afresh, like yeah. moving on or celebrating. Normally, yeah. moving on. <laughs> and, <laughs> At uh, the and we'll be back probably with Rob. Maybe not. Who knows? In the next week or so. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you have any uh, correspondence, then do let us know on all the usual socials. But in uh, in the meantime, good luck and goodbye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Please um, rate and review my daddy's podcast so he doesn't get cross.